0: Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. We're learning to live inside out through the season of Lent, learning to address our hearts, but then not stop there, allow it to get out into our actions and our Worlds, we're on this Lenten journey to the cross, the death of self and sin. We're following Jesus into the wilderness. We having fun. We've talked about fasting. We've talked about a life of faith that takes us from what's familiar and comfortable into the unknown. We've talked about our deeper thirst, and maybe we've sought other wells to satisfy that thirst when we know it's the life God has for us in Christ. That brings us the true quenching. Today, we're going to wrestle with the question of how do we know when we're in the presence of God? We're seeking these things, but how do we know? How do we know that we can, in fact, see clearly with our hearts and our minds and our souls and our bodies when God is at work? Because in a world where so many claim to clearly see, yet to see such different things, how do we know? who to follow, and who to trust. How do we know what to believe? How do we know when it's God at work? I went to an art museum as a part of my undergraduate work, and we went on a tour. I'd like to think I would have gone otherwise, but you got a grade, so you had to go, right? I'd been to the art museum a few times, but this was the first time I'd been on a tour. Anyone ever been on an art tour in a museum? Aren't they amazing? I want to do another one, because walking around with someone who can show you these paintings in new ways is quite amazing. We went to the Impressionist section. Now, I'll be honest, I don't always get the Impressionism paintings. Anybody with me there? You stand really close to it. That's what we did. We stood close. We looked up the brush strokes, the technique, the colors, the, the shapes, and we heard the person share. And then she invited us to step way back across the room and look at the same painting, although it did not look like the same painting from a distance when we quit seeing all the individual brush strokes and we saw it from far away, we started to grasp the image the artist intended to bring to us in this unique way. We had to step back to see it more clearly. So if you're ever in the impressionist and you're thinking, I don't get this, step way back and see what comes to light. We all want to see clearly. We want to have a sense of certainty and comfort in what it is that we see. But we don't want to be like the Pharisees, so certain and comfortable in something that, frankly, isn't good, It not right. We want to be assured we're on the right track. We want to know that we are living our life in the direction that God has called us. We want to be a part of what God is doing in the world, in our community, in our lives. Amen? Our Lenten journey is to get ourselves looking at ourselves and our world standing a bit back to see the bigger picture, to remember so that we can actually see. So Samuel the prophet, in our passage, had lived his whole life in devotion to God. His life had been devoted to God before he was even born through his wonderful mother, Hannah. Samuel had been a part of what God was doing from the moment he was very small. And he anointed Israel's first king named Saul. Saul looked the part. He was tall. He looked kingly. But Saul didn't pan out, did he? (laughs) Saul didn't pan pan out at all. Samuel had been so focused on the details, the brush strokes of what he thought a king looked like, that he assumed Saul was the right choice. And God was a part of that, but it didn't pan out. So what happened there? It had been a disaster. But God was still at work. So then God calls Samuel to anoint another king. While Saul is still alive, okay, if you anoint a king while the king's still reigning, you run the risk of being killed by that king. But God called Samuel to anoint another king. And so step by step, Samuel follows God's directions till we come to the home of Jesse, who parades his sons in front of Samuel one by one. Samuel looking at the brush strokes, thinking, Ah, here, this must be the king. God's saying, No. Nope. <laughs> But he looks kingly, God. Yeah, but you you don't see things in the bigger picture. So son after son after son until none of them. And then God arranged, finally David gets to come, right? I mean, no one even, he was an afterthought. He didn't even count. He didn't even get the invite to the party where he was supposed to bring all of his sons. Jesse forgot, left out, David. But here he comes running, his face is flushed. And he gets anointed with oil because God says, this is the one. And then Samuel leaves because, well, Saul's going to be mad that he just anointed a king. Samuel leaves the scene and the story and our Bible all together from that moment on. Did he ever come to see clearly? We don't know. Did he anoint because God said anoint or did he start to see and trust? We don't know. The story in John... It's one of great discussion and debate, and rightfully so. Much is said today about thinking that because someone lacks a particular ability that they aren't every bit as capable and blessed and content as those of us who maybe have that capability. And that's a worthwhile conversation, we assume. Much is said about forcibly rubbing mud into someone's eyes who never asked for it nor gave permission. Please don't do this to other people. Much is said about people not believing the word of someone, speaking about their own perspective and testimony. And that is an important conversation. But I fear that if we were to focus on these important conversations, we might not step back and see the bigger picture of what's happening in this story. When we stand back, we find a challenging invitation. Will we recognize the work of God right in front of us. We get caught up in the details. You with me there? It's not just about what's happening in the world around us, but in our own lives, we get caught up in the details. We miss the bigger picture. Like the man in the story, we are all called to tell our story, to give our testimony about what it is we have come to know, what it is we have come to see. But we don't have to know all the answers. That man certainly didn't told what he knew. And that's our job, to tell what we know. We don't have to guess. We don't have to think that we need to be certain and align with other people's perspectives. We just need to tell our story. Amen? And maybe your story doesn't seem miraculous yet. Maybe you think, my story, it's nothing exciting. Maybe it seems boring, too simple. Friends, God works in boring and simple ways, And that in itself is miraculous, amen? God could part the seas and raise up the dead and do all sorts of miracles, but is that more impressive than taking an average person's story of change and watching it impact the lives of those around them? What's more miraculous, really? Getting people to trust or just doing it for them? We have stories about God doing great things in our Bible, and we have stories about God doing great, simple things in our lives. A life changed is miraculous, amen? Have you had your life changed by God? Have you witnessed someone's life changing? Maybe you're picturing some monumental change that occurred in the moment and everything just made this drastic turn That's because we're still thinking in this grand scheme, this big picture idea of God's great and glorious power, and that's nothing wrong with that. But how many of you can just look back over your life, maybe over the course of five or 10 or 30 years and see the change that's occurred? Is that any less miraculous? I can look at my own life, and I think I'm a little younger than most people in here, some in here. I have had drastic change in my understanding of God, of myself, of faith, of the world, of the Bible, of love. Amen? Are you with me? Is that not miraculous? Can you explain to me how you've come to experience the change you've experienced? Can you explain it? You might say God or Jesus, right? Because that's what you're supposed to say in church God and Jesus. You might say the Holy Spirit, even if you're really paying attention. But there's a mystery to it, isn't there? We have to admit that it's not all that different from someone spitting into mud and rubbing it in people's eyes. There's change that's occurred in the messes of our lives. It's been in the mud and the muck. It's been in the simple and the ordinary, the mundane. The word mundane means of earth. Jesus did a mundane thing. But somehow we traversed the dark and difficult times, not on our own accord, but through God's grace, and we came to see things in a new light. This is the Holy Spirit in and through us, friends. This is how it works. This is our story. We can get so caught up on the individual brushstrokes of our choices and regrets that we forget to step back and see the bigger picture. We can forget to remember not only our own lives, but in acknowledging the grace on our own lives, we remember that sometimes we forget to look at the bigger picture in other people's lives. Not only other people, but our family and our church. We can carry this kind of seeing, this stepping back, into the entire world, how we see everything. When we start stepping back, we start seeing the bigger picture, and more importantly, when we enter into conversation with other people about what they're seeing in the bigger picture, we share our stories. We come to see everything differently. We come to realize that we do have a story to tell. We have our own story, and we have our own story to tell. Now, there will always be those who refuse to see it. We can't ignore that in this story, can we? They are doing everything they can in their power to refuse to see what is right before their eyes. And how often we've done that. We like to think that's not our character, but at times it is. But when we think about those whom we can recognize who are struggling to see and resisting to see in our own lives, know that it is really terrifying to see things differently, isn't it? They're acting out of fear. They're denying reason and evidence because it will cost them so much to give up what it is they've come to know and understand as certain. They will harass, they will invent false narratives. They will slander and they will accuse. They will spread rumors and they will smear the integrity of the story and the messenger, all out of fear. Pity them. But that's how it works. There'll be resistance, but we mustn't let it stop us. His parents struggled, didn't they? They realized the heat coming down. They're like, you know, just go ask him. Just go ask him. They're kind of hiding, cowering in the corner. Ask him. He can answer for himself. We can invite those folks in our lives, in each other, when we realize we're doing that, to step back. See the bigger picture. We can't force them to see it, nor should we even try. Amen? Let me say that again. We shouldn't force them to see it, nor should we even try trust that the same miraculous power that has been at work in your life is already at work in theirs. And if you put them on the defensive, you're destroying that work. Trust in the grace of God through Jesus Christ to work miracles for them. Make every effort not to hinder their progress by putting them on the defensive. Maybe it's your grace in the moment that will be part of the story that they will tell about how they came to know Let us trust in God to reveal presence in us, to us, through us, even if it takes time. Even if we have to come only know a small part of the story, and then we work our way to look back and see it in a bigger light. Maybe we'll feel like Samuel at times. Knowing God is working, but not understanding it. Doesn't look like we thought. Maybe we'll feel like the blind man. We know God worked, but we struggle to know How, why, and at times even through whom? Maybe we'll feel like the neighbors. We can see something's happened, but we're struggling to believe it. Maybe we'll feel like the parents. We know something's happened, but we're terrified to understand it and all that it might reveal and all that it might mean. Maybe we feel like the Pharisees. We know something has happened. God's bringing change. And we must make sure that we label it in a way that fits into our already preconceived notion of how things work, even to the point where we call something miraculous and of God evil, something that needs to be stopped, kicked out, abandoned. Let us trust in the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and our minds, our souls and our bodies, just as the Holy Spirit has done for thousands of years. Focus on your own continued growth, your gaining of sight. Continue to strive to see things as God sees them, to see yourself as God sees you, to see your neighbor as God sees them, to see the world as God sees it. And only then can we come to know the truth. We are always in the presence of God. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us, and it is our hope that through the Holy Spirit you have felt the touch of God upon your life. If you would like to know more about our church and its ministries, please visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.